Welcome everyone. I'm Jeffrey Goodman, Director of Marketing and Development for the YMCA of Northwest Louisiana. And we're here at 318 Latino Studios for Shreveport Bossier, my city, my community, my home. And we have a super special guest today. It is U.S. Attorney Brandon Brown. So, uh, Attorney Brown, thanks for being here. Hey, uh, thank, thanks for the invite. Of course. Uh, very honored and a fan of of your podcast and just a fan of, of everything the, the YMCA does. So uh, looking forward to our chit chat. <laughs> uh, no pressure, but yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, this will all be in your wheelhouse. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So I want to start today with a bit of a civics lesson. <laughs> okay. On December 10th, 2021, you were sworn in as a U.S. attorney for the Western District of Louisiana. Mm -hmm. You are one of 94 attorneys who serve as the chief federal law enforcement official in each of the 94 U.S. federal judicial districts. U.S. attorneys must be nominated by the president, that's the president of the United States, and confirmed by the U.S. Senate, after which they serve four-year terms. So for us lay people, I'm in that group, <laughs> define if you could, the role of the U.S. attorney. All right, well, the, the common citizen, uh, you know, in Louisiana, um, when, when they think of prosecutors, when they think of, um, you know, people that run prosecutive offices or agencies, they, they think of their local district attorney. Um, here in Caddo Parish, the local district attorney is James Stewart. In Bossier Parish, the local district attorney is Skylar Marvin, uh, for example. Well, they, they handle um, all state prosecutions, uh, any arrest made by a local or state agency um, is um, taken to their offices for, for possible charging and prosecution. Well, we, we do that on the states, on the federal side. Um, on the federal side, you have various federal investigative agencies. And, I, and I'll just start with what we do from a criminal standpoint, uh, but there's also a civil component. Uh, from a criminal standpoint, the, the FBI, the uh, ATF, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, the IRS, the um, um, Health and Human Services, just, just a, a various uh, pool of federal investigators uh, bring us cases on a daily basis to um, either start investigating or they've already investigated uh, and they're, they're ready to present for prosecution. Um, federally. So a lot of times uh, we have our federal agents that, that directly bring us cases. We also have federal agents that partner with state and local law enforcement, what we call task force officers, that are deputized federal agents. Uh, for example, we have many deputized federal task force officers that work for the Shreveport Police Department. They work for uh, the Bossier City Police Department. They work for the Caddo Parish Sheriff's Office and so on. Um, they partner with FBI agents. They partner with ATF agents uh, to bring us cases uh, that may be a violation of federal criminal law. Uh, and, and we do that not only here in the Shreveport area. This district, the Western District of Louisiana, covers the Monroe area, the Shreveport area, the Alexandria area, the Lafayette area, and, and also the Lake Charles area, 
and all points in between 42 of the 64 parishes in the state i believe there are only two districts two federal districts in louisiana is that three three three. okay Uh, we're the western district um there's an area in baton rouge Uh, they have a few parishes that's the middle district that u.s attorney's office uh, that courthouse sits in downtown Baton Rouge. They both sit in downtown Baton Rouge. And then we have the Eastern District, uh, which is the New Orleans area, uh, another small uh, set of parishes. But that's the biggest office because they have the most people in that district. You know, our, our district, um, you know, I, I called off those cities. You can imagine the, um, the, the towns and villages in between those cities we're 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 the rural area of the district you know outside of those five cities i just named you know everything else is 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 pretty rural so we you know prosecute all violations of federal law uh, drugs uh, you know narcotics uh, firearm violations human trafficking um of course uh, violations of federal tax law um we uh, child exploitation all kind of things um, that, that we prosecute in those areas. And the Eastern and Middle District U.S. attorneys, they lead their offices in, in those efforts as well. Uh, from a civil standpoint. Uh, so just, everything you just named was criminal? That was criminal, criminal prosecution. Um, from a civil standpoint, um, we also defend the government when the government is sued and suits are brought in those five geographical areas. We're responsible for representing the United States um, in those civil lawsuits. So give me an example of a... The easiest example, uh, I I just gave some kids uh, about an hour ago, is if you you leave out of here and a postal truck hits you, all right, and you're injured, your car is damaged, and you want to bring suit against the United States for personal injury damages and property damages. Well, the United States has to have someone represent its interests. So uh, if that car accident happens in downtown Shreveport, um, then our office, the U.S. Attorney's Office, our civil division, we have uh, civil defensive AUSAs, uh, they defend the government in the suit that you and your attorney bring against the United States for the postal truck rear-ending you or side-swiping you or T-boning you or whatever. Um, And, you know, we work to either prove that we're not liable or if we are liable, um, you know, we'll quickly try to try to settle the lawsuit. Uh, Also in our um, civil division, we affirmatively bring lawsuits. it, it may be some kind of um, civil rights issue. We will affirmatively uh, bring a lawsuit, some kind of disability type discrimination or uh, some kind of housing issue. We may look and that, that involves federal dollars, um, HUD cases, for example. Um, um, if, if the Medicare, Medicaid program is being defrauded, um, you know, we will bring, you know, maybe criminal, but, but also civil cases affirmatively to sue those organizations so let's pause there and um uh i'm gonna skip the question just as you're talking so is um i want you to confirm i'm I'm gonna say a long question i want you to confirm if this is a a example of what you just described so gangs are one of the main contributors to our current crime issues in this community absolutely 
in July of this year, your office announced the indictment of 24 individuals associated with the Shreveport Street Gang, mm-hmm. Step or Die, or you told me uh, SOD. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about this indictment. Also, give me, if you could, a little of the lay of the land of the current gang situation in our community. And what I mean by that is how many gangs there are, how close we are to diffusing their impact, etc. So, and, right. and just before you start, so is that an example of a civil case? Um, because this was, the indictment was because of a... Uh, CARES Act uh, fraud, if I'm not mistaken. Or... Yeah, yeah. Let me explain. Okay. So this this was all criminal. Oh, this is all criminal. criminal. Okay. Uh, it's all criminal. Let me let me explain what happened. So, um, Stepper Die SOD, very very popular. Um, you know, a gang that that's been giving us some problems, uh, for lack of better words, for for quite some time. Um, you know, we've indicted over the years several members that either belong or are closely affiliated um, with that gang for, for various reasons, drugs, uh, violations of federal firearm law, you know, guys that, that shouldn't have had guns, they had them illegally or they were stolen or they had them in conjunction with drugs or well, what have you. Um, but this, this conspiracy, um, it, it was more far-reaching. And what we found while we were trying to put together a kind of a global kind of mass case against them, for lack of better words, that a lot of these members uh, took advantage of the COVID-19 pandemic uh, back in 2020, uh, going into 2021, where uh, they decided to uh, conspire with these uh, folk. They were preparing the paperwork to be sent off to get these loans. Um, they got together and decided, hey, we're going we're gonna to get some of that money uh, we think to fund their um, some of their drug trafficking, uh, to buy firearms, and or uh, just to buy stuff, <laughs> you know, just to buy cool stuff, just to buy clothing, to buy cars, to go on trips, to go to NFL games, to go to NBA games. And um, if, if you ever, anybody that's ever applied for some of that money, you know, you have to uh, you know, alleged, hey, I'm, you know, I've got a business and I've, I've got employees, and you know, they couldn't come to work because of the, the pandemic. Or these are PPP loans right. we're talking about. Right. So uh, these these individuals purported and claimed to have certain businesses that they really didn't have. They were uh, faux businesses. That's what I call them. Uh, some of them um, claim to have cattle businesses and. Uh, they had uh, hair salons. They operated out of their, you know, one one bedroom apartments, and uh, you know they sold hair out of their houses. And then when they, when they really they really didn't, or if they did, it wasn't to the extent where they had all these employees um, that they had to keep paying during the pandemic, or um, you know their revenue uh, fell off and they had to keep paying there. You know, it, it just it was it was fraudulent. Um, you know, so these guys were getting, you know, these these lump sums of money and just uh, kind of going to town with whatever they wanted. And it, it was a creative uh, way that the investigators and, and the, um, the AUSA, the assistant U.S. attorney, pieced and put that case together. And it was just another tool in our toolkit that we used to try to take a significant piece 
of a violent crime organization down um, and, and try to hold them accountable uh, for CARES Act fraud. Um, you know, but we hope that you know, they also just kind of slow down their activity, um, maybe even disrupt the gang at, at the end of the day. Um, so we, we're looking at some more um, individuals and organizations that have done the same. As I said in that press conference, we're not finished. We're not finished uh, prosecuting those who took advantage of America at our most vulnerable time. Um, you know, we're not uh, finished. There, there were some legitimate businesses that had issues, Jeff, you know, during that time that needed the money, that deserved the money. Uh, but these individuals um, neither deserved or needed that money uh, for what they claimed they, they, they needed it for. So um, we, we've done some other cases, just, just sticking with CARES Act fraud. We had a case over in Monroe where the judge said it was this guy was one of the worst fraudsters he'd ever seen, uh, USV Michael Tolliver, where Michael Tolliver claimed uh, that he had all these oil, oil field businesses and he supplied these oil field businesses with supplies and he had these employees where he um, you know, defrauded the government out of, um, he got around a million dollars, he tried to get two I believe, uh, and the judge sentenced him to 10 years, the maximum allowed by the statute, and ordered over a million dollars of, of restitution. We got another uh, case over in Minden uh, where a young lady will be sued soon, where uh, she got about a half million dollars. And we've got some other cases in the hopper, uh, as my grandfather would say, that are on the way, uh, coming down to shoot in, in, in terms of CARES Act fraud. We got a few more violent crime organizations that we're looking at. You know, if we can't get them on more serious uh, RICO or gun trafficking crimes or drug traffic, drug trafficking crimes or violations of federal firearm law, then we'll, if they got CARES Act money, we'll take advantage of our wire fraud statutes and, and do what we have to do to keep our community safe. So educate me on the gang situation. So, mm-hmm. you know, this SOD, are they one of... 50 active organizations affecting uh, our community? Are they one of 100? Are they one? You know, give me a sense of, you know, what exactly the gang situation looks like right now in this community and how close we are to maybe getting it under control, if that's the correct well, terminology. Well, you know, it's, it's hard to put a number on how many we have because these organizations, Jeffrey, are very, very fluid. You know, one, this week, you know, we'll be together, you know, we'll be in a little little organization or, or gang or whatever you want to call it, and we'll decide, you know, to go do some stuff that we shouldn't do. And then next year uh, or next week, um, you know, we'll have, have gotten into it over a girl or something, and or I, I got disrespected on Instagram, and I go partner up with these people over here. And then the week after that, we've kissed and made up, and I'm back. And that's... That's the that's the challenge with that, that the FBI Shreveport PD are having with a lot of these gangs, uh, really trying to, I guess, keep in mind or decide. Okay, look, is this really a close knit gang organization, or are they just some kind of loose knit, you know, Johnny Come Lately type one off type deal and. You know, so we, 
you know, there's the racketeering statute that we love. You know, I wish I could bring, um, you know, multiple RICO charges. Uh, that's the abbreviation for the racketeering. Uh, but a lot of times we're left with, okay, if they got a stolen gun, if they're a felon in possession of a firearm, I mean, that's a very good tool in our toolkit that we take advantage of. But a lot of these individuals in these street-level gangs are young. They're juveniles. They're um, 18, 19, 20 years old, and they, they haven't even been around long enough to get a felony conviction. So a lot of times we, we try to get creative on how we can bring them into federal court for prosecution because in terms of federal firearm law, that's our main hook, being a felon in possession. Now, there are some other statutes that we can take the gun stolen, um, you know, if there's some kind of um, um, protective order they've had, you know, out there, you know, we used to be able to use that. Uh, so it, it, we, we have to get creative in the, the CARES Act prosecution uh, was a beautifully, creatively uh, orchestrated investigation by the agents, by Shreveport PD, by um, Aaron Crawford, our, our prosecutor here in Shreveport, putting that together. Um, and, and hopefully we'll get some substantial worthwhile sentences. You know, the, the loss amount in federal court, the, the jail time in white-collar cases, which is this is what a CARES Act fraud case is, a white-collar case, essentially, even though it's dealing with violent gang, violent individuals, it's a white-collar case. So that, the loss amount, the amount stolen drives the amount of months and years that an individual gets. So... They're, they're varying ranges. Some people got $20,000. Some people got $60,000. It just, it just depends. So we'll, we'll, we'll see how it shakes out. We just indicted the case. Uh, a few individuals have pled. Um, I don't think anyone's been sentenced yet. But we're, we're working on it. And, and um, at the end of the day, hopefully we can get all 24 of them pled and sentenced in, in short order. Well, and move I, on to the next one. I know. Ooh. It was a great achievement, so yeah. congratulations. Oh, no problem. No problem. In, in August of this year, you announced the appointment of Jason Waltman mm -hmm. to serve as a special assistant U.S. attorney or uh, SAUSA, I think. Yeah, we, we, we call them SALSAs. SALSA. SALSA, yeah. SALSA. Yeah. In the criminal division of the U.S. attorney's office. Mm -hmm. um, tell me why... This appointment of Jason is important, and how that'll assist in our efforts to reduce crime okay. in this community. All right, and and I, I somewhat touched on this uh, during the initial part of our, our conversation. You know, we we have a great collaboration, and I say we not only the U.S. Attorney's Office, um, but the FBI, the ATF here, and, and even the, the the DEA here. We have a great uh, relationship with our local partners, uh, Shreveport PD, Caddo Parish Sheriff's Office, uh, Bossier Parish Sheriff's Office, Bossier City PD, uh, DeSoto Parish, Sabine Parish. Um, the DA's office. The DA's offices and the, the local law enforcement agencies. Uh, we, on a weekly basis, um, have meetings uh, with those law enforcement agencies in those cities and those, those towns and parishes. Uh, and I say we, um, our office, the um, the FBI, ATF, I mean, we have what we call task force meetings. Um, and we all get together and decide, okay, look, this group, 
and over here in Bossier, they're doing X, Y, Z. Um, okay, who, you know, who's best to go investigate that? Where can we best push the resources? Um, you know, maybe Bossier City already, um, you know, is looking at somebody and they, they, they're kind of ahead of uh, what the Bossier Sheriff's Office may can do or the, or the FBI can do. Uh, so we, we get together and make sure we're not... Um, putting too many resources in, 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 in one spot. Um, so we make sure we're not, um, you know, duplicating pulling, effort. duplicating efforts. So it's, 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 it's the same concept between us and the DA's office. You know, a lot of cases, drug cases, gun cases, um, we have what we call concurrent jurisdiction. Well, that means James Stewart's office, he could prosecute a felon in possession, for example. Uh, Brandon Brown can prosecute a felon in possession, for example. Uh, but um, our collaboration, you know, Mr. Waldman will be able to um, see a lot of cases as they come into the DA's office and be able to suggest to us, okay, this guy may be better for federal prosecution um, for many reasons. That, that could be the case. Or he may say, okay, this is one that we may need to keep over here at Cattle. And, and just clarify, why, why would that determination be made? Why would, why would he say, I think Brandon's office is, is better suited to prosecute this particular case? Well, it, it, it may be a, let's, we'll stick with the felon in possession um, angle. A lot of times, those individuals, they'll get bonds in state court. They'll get bonds. And if it's a, a known shooter... You know, if we if we adopt from the state a, a felon in possession case, uh, we seriously believe that that man, that woman, is a problem, is, is a violent individual, or has the propensity to be a violent individual. Um, otherwise, we're 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 not taking the case federally. Um, so we don't want him to make bond. Um, and in federal court, it is a little harder to get bond as as it is in state court. Um, so that's, you know, this is one example why, you know, we get calls every week saying, hey, this guy's a shooter. Um, we want to send him over there. We tend to get him prosecuted quicker. We have a lower caseload than the state does. So we can kind of get him through the, the criminal justice process, get him held without bond all along. And, and just to and, clarify, and they're being him off held, even if you're prosecuting, they may be being held at by SPD or being held by Caddo Sheriff. So, we're, so, we're, so, so, so U.S. Marshals, um, they have a contract um, here with the Caddo Parish Sheriff's Office. Uh, and the U.S. Marshals, basically, if he's a federal detainee, pretrial detainee, they pay the Sheriff's Office for housing that inmate okay. at Caddo. Okay. They have a similar uh, contract, an identical contract, uh, with the Bossier Sheriff's Office okay. as well. Um, we have one down in Alexandria. We have one over in Monroe. So um, basically the U.S. Marshal who's responsible for housing pretrial detainees, this is all over the country. They, they partner with their local sheriffs and, and police departments through contracts, say, hey, can you house these guys for me? And then once they're convicted, they go to a federal bureau of prison facility. Uh, the closest one here is in Pollock, Louisiana, around Alexandria. Uh, but nine times out of ten, they're going to be held out of Caddo or up at Bossier until they go to trial or plead guilty. Uh, so that's that's one reason why why they may come over here. 
Um, another reason um, they may get a, a stiffer sentence in federal court uh, because of our sentencing guidelines. Uh, so it, it, it just it just kind of depends. A lot of times um, we'll go ahead and prosecute the felon in possession while Shreveport PD uh, and the DA's office are trying to put together their murder investigation because we don't we don't prosecute murders in federal court generally. So um, unless it's a federal employee on duty or some kind of murder that takes place on federal property, which you know is rare. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they handle the murders. A lot of times we'll take care of the gun cases. Say, look, you guys go work on your homicide case while you're working on that. Because some of these homicide cases, you know, they may go cold. It may take a year for them to put together. In the meantime, we're working on our federal prosecution. We can get them held until you decide what you're going to do with your, your murder case. So those are just two examples, but, you know, there are others. There, there are other, you know, law enforcement reasons that, you know, kind of sensitive. I don't want to get into here. But there there are a myriad of reasons. And we've, even before I became U.S. Attorney, uh, when I was an assistant in the office, we, we've always had a great relationship with the DA's office, even even back to when Judge Scott was a DA. And uh, we've had a great relationship with the police chiefs here in Shreveport, and we just just great collaboration. Our, our doors always open to them, and they we, we seem to make it work the best we can. Of course, uh, we're always trying to make some improvements because we, we still have murders and shootings and whatnot, but we're here to just kind of be a partner with the DA and with, with Chief Smith, uh, with Sheriff Prater, who you know I, I think we all have beautiful relationships with. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. So in addition, in addition to the things I've mentioned so far, mm-hmm. can you talk to me about some of your current priorities and initiatives. Absolutely, we, we've we've talked ad nauseum about uh, CARES Act. You know, that's a that's a big priority of, of the de- Department of Justice coming out of Washington. You know, I we get our direction from Washington. I I, I joke with uh, with James Stewart all the time that he's he's his own boss. <laughs> you know, he's kind of you know he I guess he answers to his constituents, his, his voters. Um, but so, since I'm an appointed public official by the president, uh, you know nobody votes for me. Uh, but and your boss is basically just to clarify as the U.S. Attorney General. Is that correct? Yeah, Mayor Garland. I report to Mayor Garland. So uh, you know, Mayor Garland has developed these priorities during his time in office that is pushed down to the other 94 districts, saying, "Hey, this is what." Um, I want you guys focused on. I want you guys, number one, to keep our community safe. You know, go back home, partner um, with your locals and decide how you guys can collaborate to keep your community safe. That may um, be through robust uh, gun prosecutions. It may be through robust uh, drug prosecutions. Um, You know, civil rights is also... um, is pretty big on his priority list. Um, when we think of civil rights, a lot of us think of, you know, police brutality, excessive force. Yeah, that that is what he means. But he also means us um, bringing these affirmative suits when people are taking advantage of disabled people. Um, they're taking advantage of um, the elderly uh, in terms of uh, a lot of elder fraud. 
Um, you know, a lot of times we partner with um, the, the, the consumer protection. You know, when your your grandmother or your your aunt you know gets those robocalls and and um, <laughs> you're trying to defraud them out of money, well, uh, some of our districts will partner with consumer protection and and try to um, you know get our arms around whoever the froster over in Africa is, for example. I'm sure you've all heard of how that kind of stuff works. So, you know, Violent Crime, Civil Rights, CARES Act at the top of his list. Uh, you know, and, and, and let, me be, let me be clear, we put together not only a criminal angle for the CARES Act fraud, as I, I talked about, we also have a civil angle where some individuals, we may decide not to prosecute. We may say, okay, look, you know, you got this small amount of money, you're nonviolent, um, you know, you got caught up with, you know, some preparer that's prepared a hundred folks paperwork and you only got $10,000 or whatever. Okay, we're going to give you, we're going to come up with a way, we're going to sit down, come up with a way for you to pay that money back. Whether it takes you a year, two, three years, you pay it back and we won't prosecute you. Uh, and that, because we, we just don't have the resources to prosecute everybody. They stole that money. Um, so we came up with a way civilly where we will you know, try to recoup the money. Maybe we uh, seize your tax refunds for a few years. Uh, maybe you got you know, an aunt that want to help you out, help you out and help pay the money back, whatever it is. Uh, so that gives some of the uh, lower loss amount folks a chance to say, hey, you know, this this person over here helped me prepare this paperwork. That's all I know about it. But um, I want to help try to pay this money back, help you guys avoid taking me to the prosecution. I don't, of course, I don't want a felony conviction on my record. So if you're gonna let me pay it back over time, or I can give you the money, great. You know, and that's we're starting to kind of get that off the ground. And it frees you up to focus on on the more people, serious. the people that stole the half million and a million dollars um, of CARES Act fraud cases, because those cases take quite some time to put together. Um, so yeah, human trafficking, another area that I, I think in in this district, um, I'd like to kind of see us improve in that area. You know, I, I believe that especially Shreveport, uh, Jeffrey. With the amount of casinos that we have, the interstates uh, with two interstates uh, coming right through our area, I think we're probably um, you know missing the ball on, on on some human trafficking issues that we have. Um, not only children, uh, but forced labor uh, situations. By forced labor, I mean um, you know I own a restaurant and. You know, I've got these illegals, you know, working in my restaurant, paying them pennies. All right, and I've, you know, somebody's brought them to me <laughs> to work. I mean, that that is illegal. Uh, it's forced labor. Um, you're forcing them to get paid $2 an hour uh, because you want to pay them $2 an hour instead of what they deserve. Um, so uh, we've seen a few of those cases. They are harder to put together. Uh, but the human trafficking cases are uh, another area of priority for the department. Um, so, you know, it, it's and, and, and we plan to do some outreach over the next year or so. Because I think the, the one issue we have, we, we don't know human trafficking when we see it. 
And I, I used to be guilty of this. Uh, maybe I walk in a convenience store and an experienced law enforcement officer um, may see an individual, for example, um, with two kids and he sees some kind of signs that the kids may not be might not want to be with this guy or there's just something that maybe a law enforcement officer may realize that you know common layperson Joe Blow like Brandon Brown may not be able to realize in that situation so you know I've talked with my staff recently about hey we got to do some outreach uh, and get information out to the community look here are the warning signs human trafficking yeah, here's what uh, you should be observing, you know, when you, you go to some of these places. And all you got to do is pick up the phone and call. You know, you don't have to get involved in the investigation. You pick up the phone and call. So um, just like a lot of people don't know exactly what their their U.S. attorney and U.S. attorney's office does, um, I think there's certain areas and nuances of the law that we could educate the public on and they, they probably could help us out with, with a lot of the stuff going on out here. And I, I think that's that's one. Human trafficking is one. Absolutely. So, you know, and of course, we, we do a lot of child pornography uh, cases as well. Um, you know, those those never slow down. Uh, that's another area where we have to kind of, um, you know, we, we have good collaboration with the state, too. They do a lot of them. We do a lot of them. And we're always talking. Um, so that, you know, and unfortunately, that's, that's what I mean by keeping our community safe as well. A lot of times we think about the shootings and whatnot, but it's to pr- protect the vulnerable, the, the children, the elderly, um, the disabled. The, those, those are the things that the federal government should be focused on. That's, that's what, um, you know, as long as I'm U.S. attorney for however long that is, that's what, that's what we're going to do uh, here in Shreveport, here in Alexandria, Monroe, Louisiana, Lake Charles, Natchitoches. Bonky everywhere. <laughs> That's what we're gonna do. Love it. Yeah. And so my final formal question for you is, you know, what what gives you hope that we're headed in the right direction in terms of reducing drug trafficking, violent crimes, and other issues plaguing this community? Well, I I think uh, what gives me hope, uh, number one, um, you know, I've been U.S. Attorney uh, since December 2021, as you you stated earlier, and I think there has been an uptick. Um, I don't think we've gotten there late, there yet, to where I'd, I'd like to see us, but I think there's been an uptick in um, the interest that the community has, the interest that the media. Um, and, and journalists have. When I first got confirmed, nobody used to call me, <laughs> you know. And um, you know, James Stewart, Wayne Smith, you know, those guys. They, um, you know, I'm, I'm by no means jealous of them, but but it, it seemed as if uh, very few people knew and or interested in what what we were doing. And uh, my executive assistant a few weeks ago said, "Hey, you know, I, I think people are." Uh, given the press conferences you've had, um, given some of the press releases we've done, I, I think even, you know, we have more media showing up now than they used to to our pressers, um, you know, stuff like this. You know, you, you graciously invited me. Um, I get, we, we get anonymous calls. You know, after that that press conference we had on the CARES Act cases, we, we got called, people were calling in saying, hey, you know, I've seen this. 
you know, these people got this money, you need to look into it. Um, and then we get, we get calls about violent crime. We, we just didn't used to get that kind of traffic coming through. And um, also just, you know, at our office, we've gotten more prosecutors now than we've ever had. Yeah, uh, since since I've been confirmed, so that that's just more more eyes on on these cases. There's more people working with our federal agents, and more people working with our locals, such as Shreveport PD. We got our, our how staff. Does that, how does that? Ha- Let me just interrupt one second. How does mm-hmm. that? Ha- how do you? How do you add? Uh, how do you add bodies, or how do you add prosecutors, or who who makes that decision well, to? To expand your team. Well, the um, executive office of U.S. attorneys in, in, in D.C. has to give me more people. And, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to serve on um, A.G. Garland's um, advisory committee. Um, my, my time is winding up. And um, I think but, you were one of maybe eleven attorneys. Right, 11, 13. 13, 13. One of thirteen U.S. attorneys. And um, you know, so we, I, I was able to serve on that, and I've been going up to Washington over the last year, and I think, you know, just building relationships up there, and tell them not, hey, don't forget about the little guys. You know, hey, when people, you tell people you're a U.S. attorney from Louisiana, they, they start asking you questions about New Orleans. <laughs> you know, uh, but. You know, we're in what we call a medium-sized district, and you know a lot of times, you know the tone and tenor with small, medium-sized district U.S. attorneys, like you know they forgot about, it. they forget about us, and so yeah, you know, I just try to go up every time I go up, try to meet somebody different, try to uh, you know have have a cup of coffee with with somebody that otherwise wouldn't have a cup of coffee with me, but yeah, you know, and everybody's they're gracious, and you know just try to. Uh, we we got through the budget through the uh, the budget that the Senate approved for FY 2023. Um, a lot of the U.S. attorneys' offices across the country got allocated new positions for violent crime, domestic terrorism, um, you know, human trafficking, um, you know, st- stepping up our e-litigation efforts. There's just a, a myriad of stuff. And it was a competitive process, and, and my team helped me put together a package where we got some additional positions. And, uh, you know, we're filling those now. We've we've made some shifts with some resources that we had in the office to um, to allocate people toward more prosecution. And, um, you know, we're promoting people, and we, we've got, um, you know, just good harmony at the office, Good good mix of veterans, good mix of... Uh, millennials in there, you know, keeping things light, and it's a, it's a great place to work. The the U.S. Attorney's Office uh, here in Shreveport and our Lafayette office uh, as well. Um, so you know, I'm I'm excited for the next year or so, um, and we'll just stay tuned. We'll we'll see what happens. Well, I I so appreciate you and all Absolutely. the work you're doing. Absolutely. Is there anything else, you know, I didn't touch on? Um, I mean, I just tried to kind of give people, like you said, I mean, just try and better educate people right. of what your role is, some of the work you're doing. Right. Is there anything else that yeah. I, you'd like to mention? We have all the time in the world, so don't feel rushed. Or, oh, yeah. I, I think, you know, one thing we failed to touch on that, you know, we, we have not had this issue in, in our district, um, really in Louisiana as a whole, um, recently, you know, mass shootings and critical incidents. And that's another 
area that we're going to make some progress in over the next few months. Uh, we're about to start what I call our, our road show, and we're going to go to all parts of our district. And we're, um, we got these uh, briefings with local law enforcement, uh, with uh, the, the colleges and universities in our district. I mean, we've got a lot of colleges and universities. We've got you know, LSUS, we've got Centenary, we've got uh, Louisiana Monroe, Louisiana Tech, Grambling, um, schools in Alexandria, Northwestern State, like, you know, McNeese, all, all of these schools. Um, and we're going to go to all of these areas. Uh, we've got them scheduled. And we're going to talk about, okay, guys, what, what happens if we have a mass shooting at LSU Eunice? <laughs> you know, what, what, what are some of the first steps that we're going to do? You know, who's going to take the lead? And because I, I don't, Jeffrey, I don't want, we've never done it before in this district, you know, had this kind of collaboration when it comes to critical incidents, but I don't want it to be the first time we talked. Uh, that's what I've learned from some of my colleagues in other parts of the country that had these incidents. Um, you know, the U.S. attorney up in Buffalo, for example, when they had the shooting at the Topps grocery store, I was talking with her, and, um, you know, she said we had never really talked about, okay, what do we do if, if there's a shooting in a grocery store or um, in a church somewhere out in um, Cottonport, Louisiana, you know, who can, does, does the Cottonport PD have the resources to take care of everything? Probably not. Um, or should we bring in the state police? Should we bring in the FBI? Should we? So we've got uh, four meetings scheduled um, in October and November where we're going we're gonna to bring together those law enforcement agencies. Um, we're, we're, bringing, we're having school resource officers there as well from every parish in case an incident takes place at a school. And uh, when we have those meetings, I, I, can't, I can't wait to see you know, what the, the aftermath, per se, of that. I think it's going to lead to more communication, more collaboration, um, you know, so we can um, you know, push our associations with these law enforcement agencies and, and schools out there. So just in case something happens, God forbid, we... We, we're developing a critical incident response plan. Hopefully we never have to enact it. Um, but if something happens, we'll, we'll have it there, and at least we'll have a, a starting point so we can respond appropriately and, and try to defuse the situation and if, if, if something happens, uh, apprehend the subjects. So that's, that's, that's one thing uh, coming. Um, you know, me personally, I want to continue to try to enhance our, our office's relationship uh, with the media. I want, I want, I want to try to educate the media and the public um, as of what we're doing at the U.S. Attorney's Office. You know, somebody told me after I got uh, confirmed. You know, Brandon, you guys sit over there in that ivory tower on Fannin Street, and nobody really knows uh, what you guys are doing, what you're about. And um, you know, the public may not need to know you know, what we're doing on a day-to-day -day basis because, you know, a lot of times we like to move covertly. Uh, but I think the public, the taxpayer, should have an understanding as to why we're there and what what functions we, we serve in the community. So uh, we're going to do a better job uh, with that as well, um, engaging in the community. I think it starts with, with you know, stuff like National Night Out is coming up in a few weeks. Um, and we, we participated in that before, but 
Um, I, we're looking at you know having town hall meetings on, on certain subjects in the, in the near future. Just just to let them know, let the people know, look, we're human, and you know you can uh, you can come shake the U.S. attorney's hand. It's okay, <laughs> you know. Um, so I think those are those are those are good things to look for uh, in the upcoming months. Well, I look forward to it. I appreciate you making the time today. Absolutely, I think people will learn a lot, and I, I really applaud and appreciate all the work you're doing. Absolutely, there. and I you know I encourage everyone to you know support our local YMCA. You know, come join, work out, and uh, great things are going on over there. I'm a member, so um, love going, love seeing everybody. Uh, you guys do a great job. Thanks, Brandon. Yeah. Appreciate right. you being here. All right. All right. Thanks.